Good morning. It's good to be back for podcast 32. And I, I just want to get right to it and pose two questions, which mm-hmm. are based on the text. What holds greater significance for Jesus, the restoration of the man's broken body or the forgiveness of his sins? I think a lot of people focus more on the body part yeah. than the forgiveness part. Mm-hmm. And additionally, when friends are emotionally and spiritually broken, where do you guide them? Who do you take them to? Because we all deal with people. I know everyone listening to this podcast or seeing the video, they all deal with this situation right. where people are broken, they're hurt. Where do you take them? Mm-hmm. Psychology. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> do you take them to philosophy? Do you take them to Jesus? Where do you take them? Mm-hmm. So this is a well-known passage. And I find the problem with well-known passages is we tend to, I don't want to say skip over them, right. mentally kind of yeah. skip over them yeah. when we read them. So I hope this... Uh, Bring some fresh insight. Absolutely. So this is podcast 32. Jesus forgives the sin of a paralyzed man from Matthew 9, 2 through 8, Mark 2, and Luke 5. Mm. And this is the Jesus Said That series, looking at every word Jesus said in the New Testament. Mm. So if you think we're going to eventually get into Revelation and all. <laughs> I so, know, we're, we're on a move. So we'll eventually get there in Podcast couple, 320 yeah, or whatever. Exactly. Yes, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. So... But uh, I'm Pastor Kenny Birch Jr. I'm the Associate Pastor at Coleman Manor Bible Church and Creator of Theology for Everyday Life for Kids. And you want to introduce yourself? Dad? Yeah, I'm uh, Ken Burge. I'm uh, the Senior Pastor of the Coleman Manor Bible Church, uh, 32 years, mm-hmm. uh, three years the Associate before it. And, and before that, I did what uh, you do as the Youth Pastor. So it's, uh, it's great to be here thinking about this man and his friends. And we both have pounded a pulpit for our young people to have good friends, right? And it, and it really doesn't change when you get into adulthood. Yeah. More so, if not. Right. I'm glad we're not recording at your house, because I heard they're chopping the tree or doing some it's type of It's a tree work. that's uh, taken down uh, parts of my new vinyl fence on two <laughs> occasions. So I'm so thrilled they're going to finally take it down, because it's been costly. I know you're contacting the town. They weren't doing anything. So I just said, contact the councilman. <laughs> and I did. And, uh, you know, I'm going to vote for the guy next time he's because he, he's getting it done. So yeah. thank you, Mr. Councilman. That's right. And, uh, I know I had a good morning as I'm reading. Um, I did. I read for about an hour this morning mm-hmm. and I got through Hebrews, James and first and second Peter. Good for you. And I tell you, I really am enjoying the book of Hebrews. Mm-hmm. Really mm-hmm. a good. Mm-hmm. Once you understand it. Exactly. Because I think people teach it so many different ways. Right. I think once you understand it, it really makes a lot of sense. The same with James. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I see James is really talking about rewards. That's right. And how often people think it's talking about saving faith. Right. It's like, this totally contradicts everything yeah. <laughs> Jesus and Paul said. So it makes sense. And mm. well, shout out to Michael Card for his album on the book of Hebrews, Soul Anchor. Oh, yes. I'll probably be Very singing good. that. Uh, right. Oh, all week now after reading that. But uh, let's get to today's passage. Now, this narrative appears in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So it's a very um, famous passage. Mm-hmm. It's, it's important to those three authors, but they all offer little different details. Mm-hmm. I think that's what I love about the synoptic gospels. They're, right. they're, they're saying little bits and parts that kind of fascinate them, or maybe the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit pointed out to them. So If you've been listening to this podcast, you probably were expecting the story of the centurion's faith, 
Mm -hmm. Even you. you I did. I asked if that's where we're going next. Yes, right. For Matthew 8. Um, However, we're doing this Bible study chronologically, and that's the next passage in Matthew after we did the lepers cleansed. Mm -hmm. But we see that Matthew is organized by common themes rather than chronological orders. Most most people agree with that. Uh, Sometimes he'll place stories a year apart. You know, Mm -hmm. there'll be one verse and then the next verse, and he'll say something like, behold, or, and then... But when you look at when this happened, it's actually like a year or so later. So he he tends to think in general ideas. Mm-hmm. So I believe the story of the centurion takes place where Luke puts it after the Sermon on the Plain, uh, Luke 6. Now, I think the Sermon on the Mount and Sermon on the Plain are two different sermons. Mm-hmm. Um, people can disagree. That's fine. It's right. not changing right. <laughs> really that much yep. just if you're trying to do chronological order. Mm-hmm. So I position this narrative where Mark and Luke both place it after the healing of the leper. Because I think it makes the most chronological sense. Um, one day, uh, I feel there's a meme, and I don't know if you've seen it, but it's like this guy with this board, and he's connecting all these things, and he looks crazy. Mm-hmm. And that's how I feel sometimes on the chronological order of the Gospels, because you only have so much information, but you want to try to clarify anything that's uh, saying exactly like connects to the sentence before it as in time, yeah. not in thought. So sometimes I'm going crazy, but one day I'm going to probably post videos or write about that, what I think the chronological order best is um, for those who even care. And I don't envy you. I, it, you know, I say that honestly, it really it's is. very difficult. I, I've, I've been around long enough to have had the privilege to preach through all four Gospels, oh. each time maybe two to three years, but it was easy for me. I just you know looked at the next account, had to connect the dots with the context and move on. You have to do a lot more because you've got to put this all uh, together. And I, I'm gleaning from it. You actually inspired me from our work with the Sermon on the Mount because now I'm just beginning to uh, get prepared to write yeah. uh, on the Sermon on the Mount on fire. So I appreciate your yeah. work. And well, the good thing about preaching through a book is you know it's right. <laughs> That's right. <Yeah. laughs> when, when we're doing this, we're not inspired, so we're doing the best we can. Yeah. But an example I would say is just... Uh, say, uh, Levi's feast, when Matthew has his feast, and we'll get into this in more detail later, mm-hmm. but when he has his feast, a lot of times people think he's called, and then he has his party immediately. Mm-hmm. And the Gospels seem to put those together, yet you see, it's when after um, Jesus crosses the water that the, uh, Jairus comes up to him yeah. and says, uh, you know, I have this daughter who's sick, please come to me. Well, what's really, really interesting is it's at Matthew's feast mm-hmm. when he is approached mm-hmm. because it, the language is connecting in that package, mm-hmm. in that passage. It says, while he is speaking these things to them, mm-hmm. um, the servants come and say, hey, Jesus, we need you. So it looks like if you're trying to do the chronological order that there's a break between the calling to the feast. And we'll get into that when we sure. come. But mm-hmm. like I said, it, it's not going to change your faith or change anything. It mm-hmm. just might give you a little more background, a little exactly. more understanding yeah. of um, what's going on. Because mm-hmm. even you'll see Jesus will then say something like, you know, uh, the, the sick need a doctor. And that's mm-hmm. right after he healed somebody. So, yeah. I, you know, it, it just kind of ties things together. Mm-hmm. But enough about that chronological Let's get into today's passage, and we're going to start in Matthew's account. And Matthew is simply making the point that Jesus is the Messiah. Mm-hmm. That's his main, main point he's trying to make throughout his book. So that's why he kind of thinks in ideas. That's right. You know, he yeah. thinks 
he heals, you know, a Jewish person, he heals the other type of people, a Gentile, he does this, he does this, he does demons, 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 and he thinks kind of in ideas. Yeah. So we're going to start in Matthew 9, 2. Then behold, they brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. And that just means paralyzed man. Mm-hmm. When Jesus saw their faith, notice there, he said to a paralytic, son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. Um, only Matthew writes that Jesus encourages the man. Mm-hmm. I, I thought that's just kind of interesting how he says, be encouraged. Why? Because his sins were forgiven. And what does Jesus focus on here? And this is a question. Mm-hmm. What does he focus on, the man's sin or the man's handicap? Mm. I find we tend to focus more on people's handicaps mm-hmm. than their spiritual mm-hmm. life. But Jesus focuses on his spiritual life. So... I would want to give you some advice. God cares much more about the state of your soul than the state of your body. Now, you know, take that with a grain of salt. You're supposed to take care of your body. It's a That's temple. Right. You know, don't mm-hmm. go wreck your body, obviously. Take good care of it. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, that body is dying. Mm-hmm. Your spirit isn't. So my question for those listening today is, which one do you focus on the most, your body or spirit? I think that's a fair question. I think a lot of us spend time especially health-conscious people, which is wonderful, Mm -hmm. because we should care about our body. But sometimes it's to the neglect of the soul. Exactly. And I think we need to step back and say, are we taking care of our spirits? Yeah, I appreciated when you had put in your notes here that only Matthew gives us be of good cheer. So it it got me thinking. Uh, So I looked up the term, and eight times it occurs in the New Testament, seven of the eight Jesus makes a statement. For instance, in John 16, 33, uh, be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. But he tells uh, them to be of good cheer after he saw their faith. So when somebody comes with faith, I mean, Jesus can kind of cheer you up because you've got the right attitude uh, coming to him. And the emphasis upon the spiritual is very important here uh, because I think you're exactly right. There's so much emphasis upon the physical and we need to do soul care. We need to be in the Word. You know, you talked this morning about having your devotions and what you're doing, and I'm a, a large proponent of that as well. So I, I appreciate where we're going with the account and Jesus's emphasis. Uh, on the Spirit. So, yeah. Yeah. And then at once, some of the scribes said within themselves, this man blasphemes. Just quick recap, scribes are also known as lawyers. Yeah. And they knew the law very, very well, the law of Moses. Mm-hmm. Um, so these guys, these guys are smart. So they said this man blasphemes because they know only God can forgive yeah. sin. Now, their problem comes in that they don't accept that Jesus is the Son of God. <laughs> so according to the law, if a man sinned, he would have to go to a priest and make a sacrifice based on his sin. However, Jesus, with great authority, simply looked at the man and said his sins were forgiven. And I think this kind of ties into the whole Hebrews thing, that Jesus Mm -hmm. is our high priest Mm -hmm. who would become the payment of our sin. So one of Jesus's roles too as Messiah, I think that Matthew was pointing out, was that he came to save his people from their sin Mm. and gave him the authority and right to forgive sin. That's what gave him the right. They're so disrespectful. They don't even address him by name. It's this man. Um, How disparaging. And then also... Uh, When you think about the whole concept here of a forgiveness of sins, we can be almost like the scribes at times, and we've dealt with people like this, well, 
I've had to ask forgiveness so often. I don't feel like I have the right to. <laughs> you know, you're really um, not treating God's word no. and, and Jesus with the respect, because if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. So we have to make sure we don't adopt that kind of mindset. Obviously, theirs is to castigate uh, Jesus. They don't even name him. <laughs> yeah. And poor Jesus, he has to deal with a lot of the same events over and over. Yeah. I was working on the passage to sign of Jonah when they said he has a demon. Mm -hmm. And we actually see that if twice, one near the beginning of his ministry and one at the end. Mm -hmm. And the first time he goes into a rather long speech about, you know, this is a sign of Jonah. Uh, this are where the spirits come. You'll know them by their fruit. Mm -hmm. And he goes on this long speech. When he does it near the end of his ministry, he just says, and the only thing I'll show you is the sign of Jonah. <laughs> and then <laughs> he leaves. Because... Yeah. At the beginning, they were saying, he has a demon. And near the end, they're saying, he has a demon. And it's just like, oh. uh, so these are, these are hard people. Mm -hmm. um, their hearts are very hard. Their hearts are very hard. Mm -hmm. So they said, this man blasphemes. So, but Jesus, and this is verse four, knowing their thoughts said, why do you think evil in your hearts? Uh, this statement, I think, shows Jesus' deity. Mm -hmm. He knows the minds and hearts of the scribes, and he calls them evil. Why? Because they challenged his identity. Mm -hmm. They should know at this point. The leper's been cleansed. Um, people have been healed. The way he's been preaching. Mm -hmm. He's not brand new on the scene. He's been here now for a little bit. And they should know from Scripture, especially the scribes knowing the law, they should know who Jesus is, mm. but they say this man blasphemes. Okay. In other words, he's just an average Joe. Yep, that's it. That's it. <laughs> so Jesus is about to make a living example of his power to forgive sins. And one thing I've learned, Jesus uses logic. Mm -hmm. I find that in the Christian circle, sometimes we separate faith and logic. Yeah. And I was listening to John Lennox the other day. And he was making the point that our faith is based on logic found in the scripture, right. which it's not just blind faith. It's we have all these eyewitnesses, and because of the eyewitnesses' accounts, we have faith in that, and we mm. look forward to the future. Mm. So here he is, and he says, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise and walk? Mm. That's an easy question to understand. No one has the authority to forgive sins. And no one has the power to heal a paralyzed man. Both are impossible. Mm -hmm. uh, forgiving sins was impossible because it's an act of God. Mm -hmm. Yet anybody can say, I forgive sins. Right. And I can look at you and say, I forgive all your sins. Yeah. And you can't prove it. It's, there's no tangible <laughs> yeah, that's right. proof. On the other hand, healing the body of a broken man was also physically impossible. Mm -hmm. Yet it would be easy to verify since the man could be observed. Mm-hmm. So Jesus is going to make the point that he already removed the man's sins, which could not be verified, by healing the man, which could be verified. Mm -hmm. So even if you look at the title of this Bible study, originally I had it called Jesus Forgives, or Jesus Heals the Body and Soul of a Paralyzed Man, mm -hmm. where I renamed it Jesus Forgives the Sins of a Paralyzed Man, because it's really focused on the sin. Right. And the body is just say, this is to prove that the sins were forgiven. Point. So both are impossible, and he's going to make the point. Mm. But, and this is verse six, if you follow along, mm -hmm. but that you may know that the Son of God has power on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, 
Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. And he arose and departed to his house. So in this passage, the greatest miracle is that he forgave the man's sin. He demonstrated it when he gave him the ability to walk. Jesus has great power. And I think the scribes have chosen not to accept what they have seen. The term here, power, we know exousia. I have all authority in heaven and earth after Jesus conquers death. But even in John 10, 18, I have power to lay my life down and I have power or authority to take it back up again. So even in that miracle, he's demonstrating power in his own self-resurrection. But even in his words, when we finished the Sermon on the Mount, uh, the people marveled because Jesus spoke as one who had what? Authority or power. So he demonstrates it in his words. He demonstrates it in his works. Uh, but they want to keep their blinders on. And it was just part of that hardening. You know, yeah. we, we see they harden their own hearts. They and did. God chooses to harden theirs. That's right. So when the multitude saw it, mm-hmm. they marveled and glorified God who had given such power to men. So the whole point of this from Matthew is Jesus had the power to heal a man's body, which proved that he had the ability to heal his soul. Right. And I want people to notice, especially those who believe that uh, Christians can work miracles today, because I know that obviously God can work any miracle. He can Mm -hmm. heal anything. He can take care. But I believe the sign gifts are gone where I can just walk up and say, you're healed. Boom, the guy's healed, you know, Mm -hmm. perfectly just like the apostles. But if you notice, all the people praised God. Mm. Where I find a lot of the healers today, they they really want the praise for themselves. Yeah. A lot of the praise doesn't go to God. It's yeah. they post it on the internet so they don't can see what they do. So and they don't post much because they don't can't do it. And I always love those healings, like when the person's like has a hurt arm and then they can kind of move it like an inch. <laughs> it's like, Is that really a healing? Okay, but uh, that that's Matthew's account. So we're going to jump to Mark 2, mm-hmm. written by John Mark. Mm-hmm. Tradition says Peter was the source behind this gospel. And the more I think about it, the more I like to identify Mark as a short action movie. Yeah. <laughs> Low on dialogue, high on action. Right. He just totally skips the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah. He skips Sermon on the Plain. He likes to go boom, 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 boom. Mm-hmm. So he's just going to get right to it here. Now, we have to understand before we look at this that this is Peter's house we believe they're in. Right. So I recently had a new roof put on my house. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I'd be too happy if someone was tearing down my roof. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so he's going to write this very vividly. Uh, you you kind of wonder after it all if Peter didn't go, uh, hey, Lord, how about one more miracle? Can you repair the roof? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you were to Peter's believed to be house. Exactly. Correct? In the Holy Land? I was. And it's, it's, it's amazing to have the connection that this is probably the house because a lot of things connects in this account. Like when they lower the man down, well, there might've been fishing line, you know? So the whole thing sort of fits, but it, it was pretty neat just to be at the little house site that they believe this occurred. Very authentic, according to the historians. Exactly. So, yeah, it's not like it was found in the year 1000 or something, you know, <laughs> it dates way back. Way back. So. So again, he entered Capernaum after mm-hmm. some days and was heard that he was in the house. So there's, there's a mark for you, John Mark, writing that. It's just, he entered the house after yeah. some days. You know, not very specific, yeah. just to the point. So Peter 
is going to now experience all of this. Immediately, many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, mm-hmm. not even near the door, and he preached the word to them. Mm-hmm. So here's a eyewitness detail. Yeah. But there are so many people inside of there that they can't even get in the door. Right. Remember what happened. Jesus had preached the Sermon on the Mount and had healed a leper. And that's not even counting all of the stuff he had done before that. Mm-hmm. So he's getting very popular. Yeah. So people are coming to hear him. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four. <laughs> now, uh, we had snow a couple weeks ago. And we... What do we get? Like maybe two, three inches a year if we're lucky. Right. In the DC metro area. So we got about like four or five inches somewhere around there. So this was the first time my son Kenneth, who's one and a half, had seen snow. Mm-hmm. So there's a mansion, a Riverdale Park mansion down the street. So we said, let's go there and we can do our sled riding. Have fun. But uh, I had to carry Kenneth. <laughs> And it's a mile or so walk, which isn't bad at all. Now, in the snow, no one had treated anything. So mm-hmm. you're, you're walking through, you know, the five. I, th- I think it was a total of six. So it was something like that when we were done. But anyways, I'm carrying my son. And he's, he's one and a half, but he's solid. Yeah, he is. <laughs> what would you say his favorite thing to do is? It's definitely eat. <laughs> he loves eat. De- he, he's coming to the table. <laughs> even when he knows the food is being prepared, yeah. he comes to the table and he's waiting for you to seat him. <laughs> And then, honestly, he just clasps his hand What's because, his why? He knows he got to pray before he eats, yeah. so let's get this done. And then we say, amen, he goes, amen. And then he, he doesn't like to talk. The girls, they were talking so young. He doesn't. He's not a big talker. But he, he'll say, eat, and he always says, amen. So I had to carry him. And it's one thing to carry a bag in the snow. Mm-hmm. It's another thing to carry a wiggly one-and-a-half-year-old who wasn't happy. Right. Um, and... The point I'm making is these guys to carry a friend. Yes. It took effort. Mm-hmm. Um, I just had one 30 year old, uh, 30 year old, hopefully not 30 pound child. I right. can't imagine yeah. a full grown man. And I know there's four of them, but they're, the point is they're putting in the work. They really love this guy. Yeah. I yeah. mean, they really are buddies. Yeah. Yeah. So, and when they could not come near him, this is yeah. verse four, because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. Mm-hmm. Peter notices that fact. So when they had broken through, I just kind of picture Jesus teaching them. They're going through the roof. <laughs> they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. So these men tore through the roof to get their friend to Jesus. And mm-hmm. it's a real picture of friendship. Yeah. And I just had a couple verses on friendship. Mm-hmm. Proverbs 18.24. One with many friends may be harmed, but there's a friend who stays closer than a brother. That's a pretty interesting picture there, closer than a brother. Mm. Um, Proverbs 27, 17, iron sharpens iron and one person sharpens another. Very accurate. (laughs) Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 10, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their efforts. For if either falls, his companion can lift him up, but pity the one who falls without another to lift him up. Mr. T, pity the fool, (laughs) who falls. Earlier, you mentioned Michael Card, and I, you know, the lyrics running through my mind. What will it take to keep you from Jesus? And it's so true. They were just determined. This is what they're going to do, and they made every effort to do so. So, surround yourself with good friends, good Christian friends. 
And the question, too, is why were they coming to see him? Was it to heal his body, or was it that he had confessed sin? Mm-hmm. Text doesn't say. Doesn't say. Good but point. they just brought him to Jesus. Yeah. When This is verse 5. When, they, when Jesus saw, now notice, their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. Mm-hmm. So this, this is talking about the group of the five of them. Mm-hmm. He saw their collective faith. Yeah. I think that's a pretty powerful thing. Yeah. Jesus sees the faith of these men, and then he looks at the man who was paralyzed, and he forgave his sins. And if I can just interject yeah. real quickly, the whole concept in Mark's account is on the forgiveness. He uses the word uh, forgive, uh, verse 2, verse 5, verse 7, verse 9, verse 10. So he wants us to understand that's an act of forgiveness. And when you think about it, when these Gospels are written, yeah. how many of the people who Jesus healed had died? You know, physically, mm-hmm. um, because even though they're healed for a while, they're still yeah. there's still the effects of the curse, and their bodies are going to break down. They're going to die. That's right. But healing their spirit is way more important. Right. So, some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? So the scribes had their worlds rocked when Jesus said he could forgive sins. Mm. However, give them credit, they were right. Only God can forgive sins. But where they were wrong is they did not understand they were in the presence of God himself. Mm. So if they just simply would have said, maybe he is. Right. Now, if I see a paralyzed guy get up and walk, I might listen a little bit more to the guy who healed him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here, once again, is the deity of Jesus. But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, why are you reasoning about these things in your hearts? Mm. So he's going to expose their inner thoughts. Right. And then the rest of Mark's account echoes Matthew's gospel, which is easier to say. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he heals the man. I have the power to forgive. I say to you, arise, take up your bed, go to your house. Immediately he rose, took up the bed, and went in the presence of them all. So they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. Mm. Now we're going to jump to our last passage. Sure. I think we're doing pretty good because this is a little longer passage. Exactly. All the three of these. And mm-hmm. we're going to see Dr. Luke. As we know, he was one of the greatest uh, historians, and he would just get these accounts from people. So, Dr. Luke obviously loves writing about miracles, mm-hmm. and his goal mm-hmm. is to show that Jesus is the savior of the whole world, both Jew and Gentile alike, because he was probably a Gentile. Mm-hmm. So, here we go with Luke 5. Now it happened on a certain day, as he was teaching, there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. So Luke's going to give us a bunch of new detail that Matthew and Mark did not tell us about those in the crowd. There are Pharisees and scribes. And if we look at the Sermon on the Mount, people were coming from all over to hear this. So now it seems like they follow him down. They follow him down the mountain, and they come and start to question him. Jesus uh, seized the opportunity. Uh, he had the crowd there, and I just love it because he goes what he was called to do, to teach and to preach, and he maintains that priority. But then you get the detail that the power of the Lord is with him also to heal. That's a secondary thing. And you can just see when Jesus has the opportunity, he teaches, he preaches, but he tries to tell people at times, hey, hush, hush. Uh, you know, I've healed you, but, uh, you know, that's not what I mostly want to be known for. And to focus on where they came from, 
Galilee, a little bit more in the boondocks. That's right. Big region, mm-hmm. but not as educated. Mm-hmm. Then you get to Judea, mm-hmm. which is getting more educated area. Mm-hmm. And then Jerusalem, which is where all your wisest scholars, Pharisees and scribes, they would hope to work there. Mm-hmm. So they're coming. He's attracting them all. Right. So it's, it's a big crowd here. Mm-hmm. And I like to think we can't prove it, but Luke could have interviewed those scribes or Pharisees who had opposed Jesus at that time. Because Acts 15 tells us that the Pharisees, many of them, were saved. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's one of those facts that maybe after the fact, these people got saved after the resurrection. Who mm-hmm. knows? But maybe that's how they revealed what they were thinking, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because they, they got saved and said, yeah, I was one of those. We don't know. Right. But it's an interesting thought. Mm. Then behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. So Luke adds, they sought him. Yeah. So they understand the power of Jesus, thus they sought him. And there's a, a text point I'd like just to quickly share here. They sought. When I looked this up, it's an imperfect tense. They kept on seeking him. So they're making tons of effort. And then instead of just using the verb zeteo, to seek, there's a preposition affixed to it to intensify. Same form in Hebrews eleven six that he's a rewarder of those who what? diligently seek him. They are making every effort, and that should be noted. Uh, and I think we can, this was in the f- physical sense, and in this bit we can even spiritualize it yeah. with how we seek Jesus. And when they could not find how they might uh, bring him in, this is verse 19, mm-hmm. because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop and let him down with his bed through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. Mm. I still think of poor Peter here, <laughs> ripping up his house. So at least we think Peter had a couple houses. So yeah. <laughs> it's possible. When he saw their faith, Jesus, he said to him, man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and Pharisees began to reason, saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sin but God alone? But Jesus perceived their thoughts. He answered and said, why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say rise up and walk. Mm-hmm. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. Now, this is where we're going to get some new information in 25 and 26. Immediately he rose up there, took up what he had been lying on and departed from his own house glorifying God. And they were all amazed and they glorified God. And this is an interesting fact. They were filled with fear, saying, we have seen strange things today. Yeah. (laughs) That would be strange. Yeah. Paralyzed men don't get up and walk. Religious leaders aren't generally going against people doing miracles. The man who is being carried on the bed or the couch is now carrying the couch. And the word strange only occurs here, but we get our English word paradox Mm. from the term that's used here. And it's the idea of beyond... Uh, expectation. (laughs) I bet it was. I didn't expect that. And many of these people were filled with fear because they knew only God could forgive sins. Absolutely. And yet this healer and teacher had the power to both heal and forgive. So it probably was striking people. This guy might actually be the son of God, Mm -hmm. which I can't even really understand. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I know the Bible well, and I, I, I believe it. But to see someone in flesh and then think that's the eternal God, yeah. that must be kind of hard mm. uh, yeah. to wrestle with. Yeah. But it, it was true. So, 
We're going to come to our application, our employment, what we can do mm-hmm. based on the text. Anything you want to say before we jump into this? Or? No, go right ahead. Please. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, we have two points, two simple points. And we're going to first, we look at the text, sum it up, and then we explain what we can do with it. Mm-hmm. Jesus forgave the man who came to him in faith. We didn't make that up. <laughs> Jesus granted forgiveness to a paralyzed man whose sins remain undisclosed. We don't know what his sin was. Mm-hmm. While many fixated on the physical healings, Scripture encouraged us to emphasize the healing of the man's soul. So that's just fact. So now we take that and we need to ask ourselves some questions. Do I focus more on my physical or spiritual health? Mm-hmm. I think that's very relevant. Uh, we live in a city. Mm-hmm. And cities tend to have more people focused on their physical health. Right. A lot of gyms, a lot of places. Mm-hmm. Not everyone's in shape, obviously. Yeah. But, uh, but there tends to be an overemphasis if you would say, you have one hour of free time, what are you going to do? Most people are going to exercise more yeah. than have devotions. Where I, I believe we need to be very balanced and say, I need to put my spiritual health first, mm-hmm. but then I also need to take care of my body. So, because... We can't be gluttons and people just sit around and read all day, obviously. I'd just like to yeah. point out when I preached this text, my employment point was faith precedes the forgiveness of sin. And it's interesting the faith comes first, and then you have the forgiveness of sins. And that's the biblical order that is now turned upside down by the whole Calvinist movement. But because having been justified by what faith, we have peace. So it's it's always, you know, the faith, and then you have this justification or this forgiveness, this same order. Piper's new book came out on Providence. Mm-hmm. So I'll have to talk to you about that okay. later. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's one big contradiction, but that uh, we'll say that for another day. Okay. <laughs> but um, so do we focus on our physical or spiritual health? Mm-hmm. And they're not, they're not exclusive, uh, exclusive right? They're mm-hmm. They, they work together. That's right. Because I really believe if you have bad spiritual health, you're mm-hmm. not walking with the Lord, you're, you're not having the fruit of the Spirit, mm. then your physical, yeah. um, how you act, your attitudes, um, your motivation, just drive with getting things done for the Lord, it's just not there. Because if you're, if you're starving that side, where if you're totally fo- focused on physical, yeah. Um, you might be taking too much time. So, like I say, it's a balance. Obviously, put spiritual before physical, but they're you know your your mind, body, soul, spirit. You're, it's a it's a package. That's right. So take care of them all, mm. but don't overemphasize the physical because at the end of the day, you will die. Right. You know, try to prolong those days if you can, but the the spirit is eternal. Mm-hmm. So recognize, and here's the thought. Recognizing that both body and soul are divine gifts, do I diligently care for them? Mm. Am I frequently connecting with Jesus through the practice of reading scripture and prayer, Mm. recognizing his concern for the well-being of my spiritual life? And if we're not doing the simple things of prayer and reading, we're going to have a hard time with evangelism. We're going to have a hard time with, you know, fulfilling our roles as Christian men or women. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it all obviously it all comes down, I think, to that I agree. personal life. And then once you take care of that, or once you're engaged in that, then go out and do the other things. Exactly. But you know, I think as a side note, 
too many people focus on service, mm-hmm. if that sounds weird. Like they they don't want to have the devotions and prayer, but they want to go and do stuff, mm-hmm. maybe to be seen or maybe because they just want to do yeah. something. But I think that's dangerous too if you're not you're not connected. So uh and two, the man's friends brought him to Jesus. And this is looking at friendship. Mm-hmm. It was a blessing for the man to have friends who brought him to Jesus, demonstrating their faith in Jesus's ability to heal him, be it spirit and soul. So question to ask myself, do I surround myself with friends who take me to Jesus when I am hurt and broken? I think that's an important question. What are, where do our friends guide us to? What advice do they give us? And it's hard to find good, solid Christian friends. And obviously, we need to be friends with people who are not mm-hmm. <laughs> Christians in the sense that we're evangelizing, we're trying to get them. But those core people, kind of like how Jesus had his disciples, yeah. are when we're broken, where do they take us? Is it Freud? Do they take us to watch some video, or do they take us to Jesus? I mean, in a biblical example, evangelistically, Andrew grabbing Peter, saying, let's go. Um, outside the Bible, you have the great D.L. Moody, and Mr. Kimball was his uh, Sunday school teacher, reached out to him, and, and Moody reached millions. But for the practical Christian life, uh, he who walks with wise men will be wise, but a companion of fools uh, will be destroyed, Proverbs thirteen twenty. And the other verse that always comes to mind, 2 Timothy two twenty two, flee youthful lust. But then it says, you know, draw near to God with those individuals who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So your friends are ever so important. And I believe there's a good, you always want to seek the very mature (laughs) because they make excellent friends. And then you kind of have those under you who you're discipling. Mm -hmm. So I think that you can set an example then for those people. But Mm -hmm. so we looked at that. I hate to say, when you said Kimball, I just went to Green Acres. (laughs) Mr. That's Kimball. That's not good. Yeah. Okay. It's like that or the fugitive, right? So, yeah. Oh, okay. Bad things, but. Uh, okay. So here they are. This is talking about your friends, but now I think we need to look at just very, very quickly, how are you as a friend? Mm-hmm. Am I the kind of friend who would guide a broken companion to Jesus, knowing he has the power to heal a broken soul? I think too many Christians are silent. That's right. When people are hurting, that is the chance to go in and help those people. Exactly. And you have to be sensitive because mm-hmm. you don't want to be kind of like Job's friends who have a bunch of bad advice yeah. <laughs> and just launch it, right. just you know, putting someone down. You need that time to grieve. But as Christians, we can come and say, hey, there's probably a purpose for this. There's a reason. Let's let me comfort you. Let me sit with you. Let's, mm. you know, um not be too preachy in the sense that you're just slamming them all. This happened because uh, you know, this, but Showing them the love of God while leading them to the gospel, or if they are a Christian, just showing them that genuine love. Yeah, that uh, passage in Galatians just jumps out. Brethren, uh, if anyone is overtaken in a, in a fault, you who are what? Spiritual. spiritual. Now, it doesn't say necessarily mature, because maturity comes from being spiritual for years. Spiritual just means connected to God. So if you see someone and they're struggling— it's our God-given obligation to go and try to and restore there was used of mending nets in uh, this, the New Testament, but it was also used of taking broken bones and, and putting them together. You do so gently, and, but we need to be people engaged in the lives of others because there's so many hurting Christians out there that we sadly in the community neglect. And I feel like we're so 
quick to criticize, which there is time to criticize. Yeah. There's a time for that. But a lot of times we just need to come alongside people and help. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's what they need. Um, so, all right. That was podcast 32. Jesus forgives the sin of a paralyzed man from Matthew 9, Mark 2, and Luke 5. Is there anything you want to share? I know people always like kind of hear what's going on in our lives uh, just quickly. Yeah. Um, just enjoying the work of the ministry with you. You know, we're, we're, working on many things, your um, animation it's series. Coming. And yeah, and you, you, you're doing a great <laughs> job with that. Our our YouTube ministry, we're so thrilled to put these out for people. We encourage you uh, to like <laughs> and to subscribe. It does help we, us. It, it, yeah. it gets the word out. We yeah. just want to, that's all we are doing. We're scattering seed and we do it through books. We do it through the foundation. We do it through all these various ministries. And we just appreciate your support because uh, you're the reason we're doing this. Yeah, we're doing it all for the money. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. I was looking at California with their new fast food uh, oh, man. laws. Yeah. But, you know, you live there. You can vote the way you want. And I'm like, fast food worker makes more money than I make now. I know. And uh, my taxes are almost just as bad in, in PG County. But that's fine. It's just how things are. But uh, things are going well with me, too. Kids are doing well. Uh, just, you know how it is with young children. <laughs> oh, I do. My, my first of, of four will be starting school in the fall, homeschool. Yeah. And just trying to get, my wife's getting all prepped for that. And a lot of good things are happening, a lot of good ministry. Last night I t- taught on the book of Joel. Mm-hmm. So I had to brush up on the book of Joel. Which yeah, is sure. interesting for children. Yeah. I'm trying to explain to them. I think the theme I created was it's... Uh, Locust repentance in the day of the Lord. Yeah. So trying to get that to preteens is interesting. Right. I, I think it went well. Mm-hmm. And then on last Monday, uh, I taught on uh, Esther. Mm-hmm. We're just going through Heroes of the Faith and just how God works through his foreknowledge. Mm-hmm. A lot of good things happening. So uh, we'll see you guys next Let's time. And uh, 